Hello, and welcome to the B-Sides. Hi. Hello. We are a podcast for people who spend way too much emotional energy thinking about how money really does buy some Bravo stars, pop music, quote unquote, careers. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. I'm Mimi. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. We come out every other Wednesday, except when there's a presidential inauguration. And then, you know, we come out later than that. So so I know some of you guys may be focused on that, which is a huge life event going on, a collective moment in our history. Um, So before we get started, though, another collective moment of history was the launch of our koozies. And they've come out with wide support. Everyone who has one loves one. And if you haven't ordered one, please order one today. It's on our website. Listen to the bsides.com. It's also a link in this, whatever you call it, description on the, the Apple, the Apple podcast or the Spotify, wherever you listen, click it, order one, love it. Do you guys like your koozies? I love my koozie. So much. It's perfect. I really like that polar seltzer, you know, now has a little sweater. Just very mm. chic. It's very chic. And when I have like grapefruit seltzer, it all matches the same color pink. And I feel like really fancy. What's the plan? Yeah. You know who also would never be caught dead using a koozie? And that would be some of our Bravo celebrities, sadly. But you don't want to be like them. You want to get your own koozie. But today we're going to be talking about Bravo celebrities and and their music passion projects. Um, After a rather fucking horrible two weeks in this hellscape that we call America, I thought it'd be appropriate that we covered something a little fun. And maybe for a lot of you, you're you're not familiar with these ladies that I call my friends who don't call me friends in fact, but it's a one-sided friendship. So Hannah, Mimi, you guys ready? So ready. I've learned so much and can't wait to share it with the world. Well, buckle up, put your seatbelts on, because we're about to go down a bumpy road right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and we're back, and I just want to say rest assured, it'll be a bumpy road, but I hired us the best driver there is, and his name is Mr. Andy Cohen, who is, as Danny Pellegrino says, icon queen legend, and because of Andy, the daddy of Bravo, I, maybe we, though it kind of seems like just me, have had the pleasure of meeting housewives from all over the country, some more vocally talented than others, and we'll get into that, but before we get started, Mimi and Hannah, I just want to know what's your relationship with Bravo and the housewives? My relationship with Bravo, I know nothing about these women. Um, I don't mean to know nothing. I I always intended to. I like knowing about pop culture. I like being connected. Um, I like knowing about reality TV stars, even if I'm not watching that show. But I I know nothing about this. So, Becky, through preparing for this episode, you have taught me a lot of their history. Um, But what I don't have is any, like, special affinity to them yet. You know, like I, I now know a little bit of the the top line and I'm excited to share that with our listeners, but I think I, I think it's time for me to start watching these shows so that I can develop some, some love for them. 
Yeah, I totally. Um, I have only seen a few clips from Housewives, but I know that it's a it's a cultural touchstone. And so it's great to learn more. I will say I, I knew like a little bit about a few of them. So Bethany Frankel, Nene Leakes, and Lisa Vanderpump, um, because I watched a little bit of early Vanderpump rules back when it started, I think 2013, 2014. And the others are just like, I've seen them in other contexts. Um, And then in terms of Bravo, more generally, so Vanderpump Rules, but mostly I know what will be for some people like niche content, but was very popular back in the day, which is Being Bobby Brown in 2005, which was on for six months total, like the second half of 2005. And it was such a momentous show because Whitney Houston was on it and never had, I mean, the first black female pop star was on that show, like a forever A-lister. And it's because her husband, who at that point was way less successful and was not okay with her success and wanted to drag her down, wanted that show to be like, everyone worship me. Notice that Whitney Houston and I are at the same level, which of course they are not in a lot of ways. And people were just so like, you you couldn't look away from that show. It's it's very sad in a lot of ways. Like Whitney Houston was struggling. People were worried about her. They wanted to see what was going on. They were worried about her daughter. And also it was just like, I want to see what Whitney Houston like does during the day. Um, So it was a really wild experience and then after six months she was like I'm not doing another season of this and Bravo was like okay bye (laughs) like we don't care about Bobby Brown unless he's with Whitney Houston so um yeah it's it's just interesting to shift from that to what Bravo and what reality tv has become because at that moment it was about that was like an exceptional circumstance to have someone so like an American treasure on the show. But, um, you know, it was, it was people who had been musicians for a long time were on a lot of reality shows. Um, and often it signaled that they were past their prime. And now it's kind of shifted more to people who want to become more famous, get on reality shows. Um, and so it's just a, it's just a different thing. So you know, um, now Bravo, I don't think we could ever call Whitney Houston a Bravo celebrity. Maybe Bobby Brown. I don't know. But, you know, now it's known for the Real Housewives. Um, and so if you want celebrities on Bravo, Bravo celebrities, which is like a totally different thing back then than it is now. And I'm excited to talk about what it looks like now. And I think the undertone of sadness definitely carries in a lot of Bravo shows, um, whether or not they were famous beforehand, but there's a lot of sadness and that's a podcast for a different day. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a quick background on Housewives history, starting in March 20, starting in March 21st, 2006, which probably is about six months or a year after being Bobby Brown was on with the Real Housewives of Orange County. And that show is still on today, extremely problematic. Again, if you would like to know more information on that, feel free to Google Kelly Dodd. Uh, then came the spinoffs in New York City, Atlanta, New Jersey, DC, RIP, 
uh, Beverly Hills, Miami, RIP, Potomac, Dallas, and just recently started a couple months ago, Salt Lake City. Uh, the shows are all the same, just in different places, and they mainly focus around a group of rich women and their lives. It's not fair to reduce them to their wealth or the appearance of wealth. A lot of them actually, it's questionable how much money they really have, depending on the city. Um, the shows are about navigating female friendships, loss, cheating, and so much more. And these shows mean a lot to me. I know you guys have don't have that much experience, but I've grown up with them. I've grieved with them. I've laughed with them. And I've gotten so shifty that I've fallen into a ditch with them too. Um, and not all housewives and their locations are created equal. Some last only a season, others last decades. Some are singers, others think they are singers. And I want to spend this episode meeting the key Bravo celebrities who have made their quote unquote mark on pop music. Incredible. So Becky has been our cruise director and suggested some of these Bravo celebrities who have pretty exciting pop music careers. And we're going to start today with Kim Zolciak. Now, Kim Zolciak Bierman um, from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So let's go back to 2009. Obama is starting his first term. The economy, we're in a recession. And Kim Zolciak is still with Big Papa, aka Lee Najjar. Is that right, Najjar? Um, you can keep that in because you can see that I don't know anything about these people, <laughs> and I'm learning so much. Well, as an aside, you don't really know who Big Papa is at the time. It came oh. out after the fact who Big Papa was. Really. Yeah, I mean, it was just, like, her big papa who, like, funded a lot of her. Like, she uh, would be on the show being, like, my husband's name is Big Papa. And it wasn't I'm not- her husband. It was just, like, her boyfriend. It'd be, like, Big Papa bought me this. And it'd be, like, a huge oh, ring. But, it, like, but he wasn't on the show. Uh, no. Oh, wow. This, this is, I love this stuff. Okay. So Kim is itching to do something with her life besides lip fillers and weird weight loss gadgets. So fellow housewife and songwriter Candy Burris, and more on her later, steps in. And Candy writes the smash hit, Tardy for the Party, which I have heard of before this. Um, Some choice lyrics from Tardy for the Party include, forget about work and the stress of the week, party all night, and we won't go to sleep. We own the club. Oh, yeah. We own the life. And I'm not leaving till I see daylight. (laughs) I mean, we all can relate, right? The song is actually quite a bop. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's an, it's an interesting song. Kim went out to perform it at a few shows. She even went on tour performing a few times. And later, interestingly, Candy would claim that Kim never paid her for her services, pay your workers, pay your labor, and even went on to successfully sue her. And Kim didn't care. She used the title to spur a reality show called Don't Be Tardy. And Kim went on to release another song called Google Me, but has given up on the pop star life, except when she's called by Daddy Andy to perform. Um, So Becky, you sent us homework for this episode, which I loved, um, that included a live version of this, uh, of her performing this at the clubhouse. It was very cringy to watch. So I was curious, like, if you know, does everyone feel that way when they're watching this? Or was that just me? Because I don't like love her. Does Kim feel embarrassed to see that performance? Kim is pretty cringy in a lot of ways. Like, does Um, she know she's cringy? I think for her, this was a way for, again, for her to separate herself as a housewife. And it gave her something to do besides, I shit you not, the weirdest weight loss gadgets because she didn't want to work out until she met her future 
husband who is a football player, Croy, uh-huh. um, who would like make her do things, but she would just like sit and drink Diet Coke and smoke and complain. She was like, I need an activity. Yeah. And Candy was like, oh, whatever. I'm a songwriter. I can do this for you. Um, so I don't, I think she thinks people are laughing with her, not at her. Okay. Another question. This was, she was performing this at the clubhouse. Is that a thing? Yeah. Andy Cohen does a show called Watch What Happens Live <laughs> uh-huh. every Monday through Thursday. And it's, I'm sorry, Sunday through Thursday. And it's a recap of whatever Bravo show just aired and he has guests on. So it's called the clubhouse. Ah, amazing. And I think the clip I sent you guys was New Year's Eve. Yes, that's right. It's a great clip. We can put it in the description of this episode. It's really really a hoot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's stay in Atlanta for a minute and talk about someone that Hannah mentioned briefly up above, Candy Burris. So Candy is iconic. It's like almost insulting to include her in this category. Um, She is a pop star. She is like an actual music artist with talent. And she, she has had a long career. She was a member of the 90s girl band X Space. She has won a Grammy for the writing she did on TLC's No Scrubs. She wrote Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child. And she was the first Black woman to win the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers Songwriter of the Year Award in the year 2000. When else? Like, we, in other words, we as a world don't deserve her. And I also learned through Becky and and through, like, getting to know more about Candy that she was the one who sang the iconic 2000, like, R&B pop banger don't think i'm not look it up now if you don't know what i'm talking about because i think you will remember it pretty quickly it was like on the radio all the time it was great so candy has spent most of her career behind the scenes um whether it's writing songs or coming up with her own sex toy line she did quietly release a solo album in 2010 and it steadily lived on the bottom half of the top 100 list for a few weeks recommend checking it out she's very talented and I have I did read that she um like kind of lamented the fact that she has been successful writing music for other people but that the music that she records herself has been less successful um and some people say that like it's it hasn't her music fits her voice but it could be even better um but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. But when she was in a girl group, she did the, she did like the um, lower harmonies, which are harder to do. Anyway, her music is always central in Real Housewives of Atlanta. I saw a clip, I think, from season three where she's performing maybe at the clubhouse. And I was like, she's amazing. And everyone's like, oh, Candy's about to perform. Um, Kim, as we talked about above, basically exploits her to make Don't Be Tardy for the Party. And Candy is still on Real Housewives after about 11 years. So when Becky talks about like some people having shorter runs and longer runs, like she's been on for a long time. She's one of the OGs. And I'll note that Kim is no longer on. She was only on for like four seasons. And then she comes on like as a friend of, which is like a lesser role uh, for like a season or two. But Kim's no longer around. Oh, so is that like 
when she's on and she has her camera moment they're like friend of yeah another she's specific not, housewife she doesn't get just this friend she doesn't get a like peach they all hold peaches for georgia um so she doesn't get a peach she's like a friend of in the later seasons she kim basically leaves because she's like i found my husband like i need to focus on like being a wife because she like refuses to film anyway candy (laughs) no that's helpful um okay so candy so i basically like i'm learning a lot like candy is like filling roles that i didn't know existed so for instance like i knew that someone won the masked singer in 2020 I didn't know that it was candy so and she beat out and I knew because I know Jesse McCartney I knew that Jesse McCartney came in second place like that was kind of everywhere um but she won the mass singer and I watched the I watched like a 15 minute clip of her um singing her final songs and then being revealed <laughs> you should see like what she wore it was amazing um but she sang like this iconic range of songs she sang Bon Jovi's You Give Love a Bad Name, to Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman, to Tina Turner's River Deep Mountain High, one of the best songs of all time. And she smashed it on all counts. And then Robin Thicke was like, your catalog is so incredible and versatile. Um, And for anyone who doesn't know, okay, I've never like actually seen The Masked Singer, but my understanding is that everyone is wearing these like crazy costumes where they're completely disguised and singing for an entire season um, and getting judged and then revealing who they are um, like either as they're, as they're getting eliminated or as they're winning in the case of candy. So that's my sense of it. Um, There's also the masked dancer apparently as of the end of last year. So that sounds interesting. But anyway, overall, Candy is incredible. She hasn't done that much singing lately. She still writes, um, but mostly like on Housewives and and not on Housewives. She's focused on her family, her babies, and her other ventures mentioned above. All right, now we're gonna uh, take a break from Atlanta and do a little cross-country road trip to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because we can't not talk about Miss Erica Jane, who, similar to Candy, although if Candy's a 10, Erica's probably a 6, Erica joined the franchise with the quote-unquote background in music. In 2007, her song Roller Coaster was number one on the Billboard Dance Club play charts. Um, So if you were big into clubs back then, you may be familiar with the song. And her album in 2009 went on to produce four top billboard dance club hits. So she is she is on the more famous scale, although the more we learn about Erica Jane in 2020, the more you question whether or not um, it was really just a way for her husband to launder money. So um, Erica Jane is infamous. She travels with the glam squad and only wears couture clothing with high thigh, thigh high boots. Her songs are raunchy. She sings about sucking dick, spending money, eating ass. My favorite song of hers is How Many Fucks. It's really masterful lyrics. Uh, so everyone, yeah, everyone can suck on my dick. You play Monopoly, I play the real thing. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, none. How many fucks do I give? She's very, Erica Jane, very raunchy. Pushes 
pushes boundaries. I may add, she's in her forties, blonde, beautiful. Um, and when she's not Erica Jane, she was prior to a couple months ago, Erica Girardi, who is now separated from her 81 year old lawyer, husband, Tom Girardi. Now it seems that Erica and Tom may be going to jail. I won't really get into specifics here. And I have the link um, that I shared with Mimi and Hannah to an LA Times article from December that I think really describes everything that's going on and, and talks about one of Erica's iconic and cringeworthy performances to a bunch of Tom's lawyer friends in 2010. Um, but to sum it up, Tom stands accused of stealing money of dollar, millions of dollars from vulnerable clients, including Indonesian children orphaned by a plane crash and a burn victim in Pacific gas and electric pipeline explosion. Tom Girardi, the movie, uh, Eric, was it Aaron, Aaron Brockovich? The lawyer in Aaron Brockovich is based off Tom Girardi. So he's like a very well-known um, environmental lawyer who fought for the little guy. And now it came out that he has been funneling a lot of money into Erica's LLCs um, and then claiming bankruptcy. So wait, 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 the, the, the good lawyer in Aaron Brockovich yes. is based off of a formerly good lawyer, now bad lawyer, reminding yes. us that everyone is basically bad, ultimately. Tom. Anyway, yes, Aaron Brockovich, the good lawyer, is based off Tom. And it's just like really, I guess it's not that shocking because a lot of lawyers are bad, but it's just, it's disheartening, you know? Yeah, especially because he's claiming bankruptcy and they believe that Erica and Tom are quote unquote getting divorced so he can funnel all of his money to Erica and then claim he has no money to pay off these victims. It's literally horrible. I don't really want to get into it, but I do want to say like where the money has gone is a mystery. And to tie back to her pop music is that many suspect it's been used to funnel Erica's singing career and that he like washed the money into like giving her a glam squad and like flying these planes for her to like do all this trip. Like she's pretty well known in like dance club night music and did a lot of tours. She does a lot of performing. She takes the girls to Mykonos one season where she's like headlining some, some dance club events. Um, but now the new upcoming season of Beverly Housewives, I think Beverly Hills Housewives starts in April and they never get into specifics about Erica. For some reason, I believe that the producers are covering up some stuff for her. So it'll be interesting to see if this stuff, all of what's going on act, how she plays it for Bravo. So it seems to be that Bravo is really her only source of income right now. And it's not that much money compared to the lifestyle that she lives. She literally flies a team to do her makeup and like accessories with her every, every trip they go on in Housewives. How big is the goals. team? Like four or five people. And then she has Mikey, who's her choreographer and her best friend, um, who she pays and travels everywhere with her. This is nuts. Yeah, I encourage you guys to do extra reading on Erica Jane because there's a lot there and I, we're not- Sounds like know, it. Not a crime podcast, but there's a lot to discuss. <laughs> we're not, not, we could pivot. It's true. Yeah. It wouldn't be so far from our niche to just like also cover true crime. Well, so now Tom's people are being like, Tom like is losing his mind. He's 81. Like they're doing every trick in the book to try to, like he's going to go to jail. And I wonder if Erica will go to jail as well. It's not Pro good. So are they trying to, I'm sorry to like (laughs) keep talking about this, but are they trying to use the insanity defense? Is that? No, they're trying to use that he is 81 and losing his mind. Not insanity, but I think that like old age and he is suffering from memory loss. 
Okay, good. Because I was going to say the insanity defense almost never works. So. Yeah, I don't know if the memory law. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, I'll, that... keep you, I'll keep you all posted on the Erica Jane uh, trials. Shout out to all the shout out to all the 81 year olds who are listening right now who are <laughs> who are fully with it and don't yeah. appreciate the senility lies being spread. I think Tom Girardi is fully with it too and knew very much what he was doing, but yep. now he's paid some rich, some other rich lawyers to help him cover it up. Oh but. my goodness. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about another amazing person, a person that I have heard of <laughs> before this. Luann. Luann DeLesseps. No. Is that how you say it? Delis- no. De- how do you say it? Luann DeLesseps. Luann DeLesseps. I nailed it. Did I nail it? Yeah, I don't know that's her <laughs> current last name, but yes, Luann She is from the Real Housewives of New York. I mean, Luann, where to begin with Luann? Perhaps one of the most prolific pop stars of the Bravo franchise. So let's go back to 2010. Luann is still married to the Count. His name was Count Alexander Deliceps. Um, So she demanded everyone call to the Countess, and I have heard of her as Countess Luann. Um, which I just need to add yeah. that Hannah asked me if that was just a nickname. And I was like, no, he's, she was actually married to the count. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if she was like, I want to be a count, a countess, like, or it comes from an inside joke or something. So I was very excited to learn that it actually happened to be that she was married to a count. So, you know, she's demanding everyone call her the countess in 2010. Viewers can see the writing on the wall. Her divorce is imminent. She hates spending time with her own young kids. She's lecturing everyone on proper napkin placement. I mean, a lot is going on for Luann. And a music producer sees talent in this self-righteous Luann. And the anthem, Money Can't Buy You Class, is born. Money Can't Buy You Class. Elegance is, elegance is learned, my friends. I did watch the music video as a part of our homework. It ends up being a surprisingly empowering anthem about how, yeah, like you don't need money to be classy AF and to believe in yourself. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and, you know, the, the song actually does pretty well. And the fame from reaching the top 10 on iTunes goes straight to Luann's head. So she quickly released a sophomore song, Chic C'est La Vie. And this is more spoken word than song. Um, And in some ways, Money Can't Buy You class also is. The parts that are sung are heavily auto-tuned. And then the rest is kind of just like sang in a voice that is powerful like this. And, you know, this is kind of the vibe too. So the best part of Chic C'est La Vie is the accompanying music video, which feels like an extra Real Housewives of New York episode. Even the lyrics at the end of the song read like an inside joke for Luann and her Bravo friends. It goes, Jill, bring your jewelry. Cindy, bring those crystals. Ramona, bring that Pinot. Sonia, her men. Kelly, the jelly beans. Alex and Simon, and I'll bring the diamonds. Chic, c'est la vie. Sabon, sabon. So, you know, where's Bethany? Well, you have to watch the episode to find out. The episode of what? Uh, I'll give some context. So they, they spend a Real Housewives episode shooting the video. So it's like a behind the scenes. But uh bethany is like i'm not doing this it's dumb pretty much um and i will also note that luann is still on the show she uh-huh. took a brief hiatus at some point where she became a friend of again but she is back as a main cast member got it um and she at that time you know she took a brief hiatus from music 
or at this time, um, she released a horrible song called Girl Code that Becky has wisely chosen to gloss over um, in this episode. And she fell into a bush. She got married and divorced. She got arrested. She went to jail. She went to rehab, came out stronger, sober. So when Luann decided to host a cabaret show not so long ago, we all screamed Giovanni the name of a beloved designer who made the housewives dresses actually just Dorinda screamed Giovanni while heckling her in a performance based on some Dorinda Luann beef surrounding the designer and creating the best accidental song about a designer called feeling Giovanni. It goes all decked out head to toe six inch heels. Don't you know, men will come and men will go love yourself and it'll show feeling Giovanni. So next time you get heckled, just turn it into a song. Although Luann had to halt her cabaret tour early because of COVID-19, she's still doing great. She's still feeling Giovanni. I just have to say just this morning, um, I can't remember who, but someone on their Instagram stories talking about Trump just said like money can't buy you class. And it was, they were quoting some tweet and I was like, Countess Luann, <laughs> like that's how indoctrinated I am now, but she wasn't giving credit. So um, you know, something something to capitalize on at this moment. Okay. We have to go to New Jersey now. We have to. So that's where we're going to go. Real Housewives of New Jersey. We're going to talk about Melissa Gorga. And we are introduced to Melissa Gorga at the start of season two, Housewives of New Jersey, as an obvious foil to her sister-in-law, Teresa... Guidis, how do you say her name? That's good. I the Italian way is Giudice, but everyone says Judice. Guidice. So take your pick. <laughs> take your pick. <laughs> Guidice, is that what you said? Giudice. Giudice. Okay. So we're introduced to Melissa Gorga at the start of season two as an obvious foil to her sister-in-law, Teresa Guidice. It's the best I can do. Melissa had something Teresa didn't, which is Teresa's brother Joe. So the few, the the few, the two were feuding. Teresa and Melissa were feuding, Jersey style, which means that Melissa brought cookies over to Teresa's house and they were bad. Um, it's a power play. But re- what really got the jealousy going was when Joe, Teresa's brother, built Melissa a recording studio in their basement. Was Joe's reasoning for building the studio very sexist and manipulative? Yes. He thought that Melissa, as his wife, as a mom, shouldn't be outside the house. And so this way he could keep track of who came over. Um, But Melissa seemed like she just, she only saw a husband supporting her goals. So, you know, love goggles, whatever it may be, kind of insidious, but it is what it is. And, you know, without this recording studio, we may not have gotten on display one of the most self-aware songs about being a Bravo celebrity. Here are some of the lyrics. Are you ready? Because I'm on display, on display, on display, each and every day, every day, every day. Everybody's waiting on me to fall. Everybody's waiting on me to crawl, but they can keep on. Now, I found this song to sort of be like a questionable, almost complaint for someone who auditioned to be on a longstanding reality TV show. 
in the 2010s. It's like for these people, it's like following your passion equals being in the public eye. So it's accurate, but it's also like, okay. Um, beyond that, On Display is like objectively one of the worst songs, one of the worst pop songs from the last decade. It's not clear that you could even call it a song. Um, I unless you're playing fast and loose with the definition of what a song is. She can't sing and the track isn't that catchy and it may be self-aware in a way, but you know, Melissa doesn't see it that way. I thought it sort of had, there's like a synth at the beginning that was sort of like a Justin Timberlake, my love song synth at the beginning. Um, the vocals, however, sound to me like if a robot were singing from inside <laughs> an empty sardine can, like that's the quality that we're working with here. Um, and that's why, you know, from the jump, Becky was like, can we call this a song? No. But Melissa goes on to release a few more shitty songs. She is pleasantly upstaged by her niece, however, Melania, who released a banger maybe it's called I can't wait to grow up um and she released this last year and her and her posse I guess also did a cover of Britney Spears circus at some point to me that was better but I just like don't enjoy teens doing songs doing songs period doing songs like this um and it did have kind of a yeah, I'm curious what you guys think. It did have kind of a, like, Rebecca Black vibe, which is, like, extremely stressful. Yeah, I mean, Teresa, her mom, like, pretty much bought this for her. Um, so I, I think, I, I actually wondered if it was, like, a similar production of Rebecca Black's Friday. I loved it. I loved the whole thing. I loved the music video in the mall. I loved them, like, sitting on there. And I loved Teresa being like, oh, my God, like, are you guys going to do something? <laughs> Teresa's cameo was really amazing. Um, the video like very much stressed me out for all these re- like I think just any like young teen content really stresses me out. Just just watching teens be teens in life, I can't I can't do it. It stresses me out. And yes, it definitely had Rebecca Black Friday energy, but at least we know now that Rebecca Black like is talented and really had, you know, a vision for her life. She just also was young and the production company was all powerful whereas this doesn't it seems like melania just wants attention that is her life and she's okay that this thing that she created is like so bizarre yeah it's sad i mean i don't we don't need to get in here either but it um Teresa and joe her now ex-husband spent spent some time in jail for tax evasion so i imagine that those kids probably suffered a lot and need a lot of attention in my armchair uh, analysis but wow yeah they just got divorced this past year but honestly quite long overdue and now uh-huh. trey has a new new boyfriend joe once he out of jail was deported back to italy um so he lives in italy now they, they tried to make some pleas to trump but for whatever reason trump didn't uh, <laughs> didn't keep him in the country after Teresa was on the apprentice one season oh yeah <laughs> yeah i forgot which one was on more than one. okay yeah yeah um yeah you know just to put a pin in this whole situation here like there's a reason that they cast 
20 somethings to play teens and it's because teens are hard to watch like I mean there are other reasons I'm sure but that's one of the reasons like it's, it's hard to watch and um I I kind of like I like the beginning and end of the video too I like the board game I thought it was weird that when she comes back in the room to check on them they're all like fake passed out and she's like yeah like how long must it have been like why aren't they playing the game why are they all just like passed out with the lights on whatever it seems seems like kind of alarming to me but um it all worked out in the end so yeah and I think those are like the main ladies, but we do some honorable mentions. Um, Flatline by Portia Williams. And I just want to make a, a, a TM, a hyperlink. No, whatever. I just want to make an amendment to Portia. Portia's awesome. She uh, spent the last year doing a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff. And a lot of the Housewives of Atlanta, by the way, are very big uh, donors and to like Stacey Abrams and very, very politically active on the right, or on the right, on the left side, which would consider the right side of history and was doing a lot around voter registration. Portia like has hosted John Ossoff and Warnock like on her Instagram live for questions and stuff like that. She's pretty awesome. She also in her earlier years of housewives was like, I also want to be a singer, but that song also flatlined. She's not terrible though. Candy also produced some weird musical that she cast Portia in. Yeah. Like seven or eight years ago. Uh, Cry by Danielle Staub, the very early seasons of Housewives of New Jersey. I don't even want to spend a second talking about Danielle, but you can Google that yourself. And, and a recent addition is Candace, Candace Dillard of Housewives of Potomac, who is a hoot and has a song called I See You, which she has performed multiple times and it's also painful. And of course, future housewife Sheena Shea Marie uh, of Vanderpump Rules, who is 27 weeks pregnant now and has a song called Good as Gold. Uh, which I actually wrote in this thing is good as good, but it's good as gold. And it is honestly perhaps one of the best ones because it's manufactured in such a good way that you just want to be fist pumping it at Pump Rules, which is one of Lisa's, Lisa Vanderpump's of Real Housewives Beverly Hills is restaurant, which I actually think might've shut down because of COVID. So, but we'll be fist pumping it elsewhere. This so, song was great because a lot of the songs that we listened to in preparation for this episode like don't really have a melody they're just like words and a beat that like happen to coexist but this like had a melody this this yeah. I thought was like I, I liked this song I liked it too so would you say that Sheena is your favorite Bravo pop star <laughs> um I okay given the fact that I don't know anything about her except for this that is a hard question, but um, I love this song. I like this song certainly the the most of any of the songs that we listen to. Um, so, you know, if that counts, then yes, she might be my favorite. Um, for me, it's got to be Candy, and not just because I had the privilege of talking about her. You know, I I now I now know who she is, and I love her work. And I never knew it was her on "Don't Think I'm Not" or "The Mass Singer," and. Um, you know, if you want to support Candy, you can stream her 2010 album, Candy Coated, two Ks, okay? Um, if you like, like R&B and you like talented people, you should, you know, stream it. Let's encourage her to put out another album. Let's. She also had a radio show called Candy Coated Nights where oh. she talked about sex. Candy Coated is like very much her, like, her brand. Yeah. Nice. I that mean, that's a, yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great brand. And her 2000 album was called 
hey candy dot 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 <laughs> like so many 2000 songs and albums just like you know lists. so i love that yeah i think of all the women that we talked about um and not including the honorable mentions um candy was my favorite so far um i'm sorry to the other women they all seem great but because i have no emotional connection to them it's tough for me to listen to any of these songs or watch their music videos and feel like sweet or or just feel any tender way towards them um because a lot of these are pretty rough to watch in my opinion like they're 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 a little cringy and since i don't like already love these women it was hard for me to fall totally in love with them except for candy's music video that we watched um leave you what would leave you right was that what it's called yeah that was great so candy's my favorite so far yeah, and I think that that leads us to like we can some concluding thoughts about like what it means. And I don't think we can ignore the fact that all of these women have a lot of money, or not even if they have money, they have the appearance of money that they can buy themselves like these songs. And that money and privilege gave these women a platform that so many other artists who I would say are more deserving than them, but they were able to connect with producers and uh, that money can't buy you class but it can definitely buy you a shitty pop song. And I think that that's worth discussing on a larger scale, especially for us, the three of us who love pop music and kind of what it means that you can so readily, if you have money and status, quote unquote, buy yourself a pop song. So my question is, does it make them money also? Like, have these been lucrative endeavors for them? I don't have like stats on money for that, but I would say for definitely for Kim Zolciak and for Luann, they've launched careers off of it. And whether or not the actual streaming and buying of the song made them like any money, they were able to capitalize on like, don't be tardy as some fucking TV show, which I don't know why Bravo won't cancel. It has the worst ratings. I have never met a Bravo fan who actually spends time watching it. It's like about her family. It's painful, but it's given her a spinoff and she would not have had that if she hadn't had that song. And Luann yeah. literally has made a cabaret show that sells out across the country um, from her music. And so, and it's Erica Jane and, and Candy are different because they had sort of had these careers before. But I think it's for them less so about the actual making of the money. For some of them, they do kind of need it. They're not as rich as the show would like them to be, I think. So it does definitely help them. But it's to separate them and only like helps their brand. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting to think about money and how it's connected to um, music making itself. Um, So thinking about pop music as we kind of, uh, you know, tie a bow around this episode. We talk a lot about um, in, at the B-Sides how important it is for the three of us and for the B-Sides community that pop music is, you know, seen as art, seen as meaningful, seen as precious. Um, and frankly, these kinds of songs complicate that for me. I don't mean to be a pop music snob about it, but, you know, vocally, of course, these women are not the pinnacles of talent. Um, and the production isn't necessarily anything to write home about either. So, you know, my initial reaction to this kind of pop music is to distance my own pop music uh, that I love from this and say, that's not what this is. Um, But I think I'm nervous that that actually is my pop music snobbishness that's showing, which is what I'm actually trying to always, I don't want anyone to be a snob about pop music, right? I don't, so including myself. So I don't know, do you all think I should be more generous with that? 
with my take? No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we can, if there are people who are like, no, I genuinely love these songs. They move me. Like, we don't need to attack them for that, and we won't. At the same time, like, we can recognize that through a few clear lenses, like, this is, like, bottom of the barrel pop music for most people. And um, I was looking at this article from the All R.I.P., one of my favorite plugs in 2013 that was talking about some of these singles a little bit um, or just these kind of like ventures that come from the real housewives into music and calling them vanity singles because for the most part, they're not, they're not very artistic. They're not very musically inclined in this way. Um, And so I think to not be moved by them and to like not see intentionality behind them that is like relatable or moving to you is understandable and not snobbish. And so we can recognize that. But then if there are people who let's say DM us or approach us and say like, these are my favorite pop songs, we can be like, cool, good for you. Yeah. And I also think they hold an importance they hold an important part in like the cultural significance of Bravo and like just their own, like they're important to these women and to the fandom of the show. And they hold that. I don't like listen to don't be tardy. Like when I'm like sitting down to do work or like money can't buy you class. But like, if it comes on, it's like, Oh, like this is a funny moment. And like an inside joke that I share with like the other fandom um, that I understand would be lost on someone who doesn't necessarily have any connection to it like it would have been interesting if I had just told you guys to listen to this music blindly without like notifying you who was singing it and maybe your reactions would be like oh this is even more horrible and like you couch it because you're like oh I understand its part in history but I don't think I would be shocked if someone messages us and is like no these are actually substantially really good songs totally that said, How Many Fucks Do I Give is a great song and it's very well produced. And that's not, uh, I don't consider that a housewife song. I saw so many people saying that online when I was looking at these. People were like, this song has improved my life in like Im- immeasurable ways, essentially. So um, that's great. And like Becky, you know, really appreciate you guiding us through all of this and teaching us so much. I feel like I have a higher level of literacy with the Real Housewives, that not fully there, obviously, but much higher than I than I was going into this, or like for all of the 2010s, pretty much. I'm happy to assist. Next up, we'll do Bachelor. Although the only person with a real quote unquote career stormed the Capitol, uh, music career stormed the Capitol on on last Wednesday. So we he should not be named. We'll not, we will not give him any clicks or uh, or the other clicks. he who should not be named from who was a musician um, who Hannah Brown almost married. So musicians, yes, but- uh, musicians on the bachelor do not do well. Yeah. They're more country esque. And I will say back to candy. Uh, she did try to do a uh, country. She's written some country songs. Um, so I will leave it. What at that. can't she do? Exactly. She's so versatile. <laughs> she is. She is. So Love and it, she, by the way, and by the way, I meant to say this earlier, she looks 
exactly the same as she did 20 years ago, which is amazing. Like she looks basically the same age. I'm not seeing like plastic surgery really, which is outside of the norm. And she just, she, she looks great and she's so talented. So it's because she had her last two babies or last baby via surrogate. So yeah, she kept her figure. She's great. I love Danny. Um, so that's our show and, but it's not the end of this conversation. Can't wait to hear what you think. Do you think these are amazing pop songs and should be top of the charts with driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo? Let us know. Follow us on Instagram. Listen to the B-Sides or on Twitter at the B-Sides pod. Go to our website, listen to the B-Sides.com um, and join our Facebook group. Searching the B-Sides or going to bit.ly slash B-Sides F book group. Email us questions, listen to the B-Sides at gmail.com. All of the people, all of these, all of the people, all of these people, yeah, it's true. All these people will be linked in our description of this episode. If you want to do the homework, take a second now to open your podcast app and scroll down. Please buy a koozie so I can stop asking you to buy a koozie. Money can buy you a koozie. Can't buy you a class, but it can't buy you a koozie. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, five stars, please. And we will see you in two Wednesdays, unless the world has exploded. So I think we can just say safely, we will see you at a later date. And until next time, we catch the feeling. I'm Becky. I'm Amy. I'm Hannah. Money can't buy class.